It's a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. When they had heard the king, they went their way. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. My father was raised in a, really a a non-practicing Protestant home. And when he was 18, he was drafted into the army where he was sent to Vietnam, where he was shot and wounded, shot in in his left shoulder. And it's interesting, Surviving the horrors of war, one of the things that really changed, my, changed the life of my father in Vietnam was his experience with the Catholic priests who were there serving as chaplains. He was so impressed by those priests because they were the only ministers who actually went out into battle with the soldiers so that they would, could be there when soldiers were dying. And that just moved my father so much. And when my father was shot and wounded, he spent a year and a half in a hospital recovering from, from his wounds. And it was during that time, obviously he had a lot of time to think in a hospital, he started to think about those priests. And he started to begin to read a little bit about Catholicism. And one book sort of led to another, and he sort of started going deeper and deeper, and something was resonating with what he was reading, where he was beginning to realize, this is true. 
and this is beautiful and this is what I what I desire this is what I what I need and when my father got out of the hospital a couple months later he met my mom and about a year later they decided to get married and my my mother was Catholic raised Catholic and it was really at that time where my father made the decision to become Catholic and it wasn't just because he was marrying my mom but because he had discovered the truth and the beauty of Catholicism by following the inspirations of God. And I think what I respect and what I love about my dad's conversion story is the fact that he followed the truth wherever it was leading him without an agenda he allowed himself to be led how difficult is that to really allow yourself to be led without an agenda if you figure out how to do that please let me know <laughs> But see, God was leading my father, much like the star that was leading the Magi. And he followed in openness and in surrender to the truth. It's interesting in the gospel, oftentimes it is sincerity of heart rather than perfect practice that moves the heart of Jesus and often calls forth action on his part. Of course I'm not saying they are opposed to one another but just let me give you a few examples. In the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector the religious person, the Pharisee, comes into the temple, remember, and he goes to the very front and he says, thank you, God, that I'm not like the rest of these people. I pay tithes, I fast, I do all the things that I'm supposed to do. I have, in a sense, perfect practice. But then there's this tax collector who has probably no clue what perfect practice looks like, really not much knowledge of the law. And he stands in the back of the temple and he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus says, that's the one who goes home justified. The one who has sincerity of heart. In the Gospel of Matthew, the story of the centurion's servant the centurion is a, a Roman officer, again, a non-Jew. Someone, again, who probably has no idea what perfect practice looks like. And he comes before Jesus, while all the other religious people, the Pharisees and the scribes, are, when they come to Jesus, they doubt him. They say things like, the only reason you did that is because there's a devil inside of you, and other ridiculous claims. 
And this Roman officer, this non-Jewish person, says to Jesus, My servant is sick. Please come and heal him. And Jesus, noticing the faith, noticing the sincerity of heart, says to him, I will come immediately and heal your servant. And then the officer says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should even come into my house, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. And what does Jesus say? Basically, not even in Israel have I found such faith. Those words are so important that we say those words before we receive communion. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. It's almost as if the church in those words is trying to prepare our hearts to make them sincere as we are about to receive his very body and blood. So we see the importance of sincerity of heart in our relationship with God. How sincere is your heart in your relationship with God? You know, on one level, it's much easier to just follow the rules, right? We can obey externally almost anything. But the real challenge is to eternal, eternalize what those rules are really meant to teach us and to show us. And at the top of the list in the Gospels of people who are sincere in their search for God are the Magi. Who are the Magi? Well, they're described as being wise men from the East, right? In Persia, which is really modern-day Iran, is where they're coming from. And who they were is they were specialists in dream interpretation, astrology, and sometimes magic. Which explains why, why, why they were interested in this star of Bethlehem. This unusual astral phenomenon. But what are they searching for in their astrology, in their dreams? They are searching for insight. They are searching for understanding, wanting to understand the cosmos, wanting to understand nature and the purpose of reality. And what I think is fascinating about them is that, again, they are Gentiles. They do not have perfect practice, probably very little exposure to the law. But they are following the truth as it's being revealed to them. As God is revealing himself to them, 
very patiently, in some sense very quietly, the Magi are following. And it's taking them beyond their culture. It's taking them beyond even their own religion, beyond their own understanding. And yet they follow. They follow without really any idea as to where they're going and to what they're doing. Not only are they the first Gentiles to recognize Christ, but they are the first people, besides Joseph and Mary and the shepherds, to recognize Jesus as the true king. The scripture is so beautiful on this. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. The Magi, by following a star, encountered the sun. And who is that sun? To quote St. Paul, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. The Magi's encounter with Christ is an encounter with God's wisdom. What is wisdom? In my opinion, wisdom is the gift that is lacking most in our culture and in our world. We have so much information, so much knowledge, probably more than ever before in the history of humanity. But we lack wisdom. The Catechism says that wisdom is a spiritual gift which enables one to know the purpose and the plan of God. In other words, it's having the mind of God, having the eyes of God. Wisdom is thinking like God. It is seeing how God sees. And it is this very insight, this very understanding of life that the Magi were hoping to encounter through their study of the stars and of dreams. But their tools, astronomy and dreams, was all that they had. 
to try really to pierce beyond this veil, to pierce beyond the veil of heaven and earth. The Magi are trying to do the best with what they have. But it wasn't enough. Just as our tools, whether that's our, our talents, our intelligence, our degrees, our occupations, those things in and of themselves are never enough to reach God. They're never enough to pierce beyond the veil of this world. Which is why God had to come to them and why God has to come to us. Why wisdom needed to be revealed to them. Why wisdom needs to be revealed to us. Because true wisdom, the mind of God, is unlike anything that the most brilliant philosopher or scientist or even theologian can articulate. Before my own conversion, I had many uh, worldly aspirations, and most of them were not bad by any means. I thought, I thought for sure I was going to be either uh, some, some kind of writer or some sort of teacher, maybe college professor, either English or, or writing or something like that. But before my conversion, I felt like using the best of this world, right, studying the best literature and philosophy and poetry, it, it brought me, in some sense, to the horizon. And so coming to the horizon, I was able to judge things and see things, evaluate things from this limited perspective. But after my conversion, after I discovered Christ, I felt like I was taken beyond the horizon. Beyond the horizon into this whole new world where my heart, where my mind, and where my eyes were expanded. And very quickly, those other worldly aspirations that I had that were obviously not bad or wrong, but they just dissolved almost immediately. You know, blessed Charles de Foucault once said that after his own conversion, and he had a very serious conversion, he said, after I knew God existed, there was nothing else I wanted to do but to live for him. In a very real way, I would apply those own words to my, to my life. When I was a junior in college, I was meeting with my um, academic professor, and he had, it was, it was kind of, it was very encouraging. He was very, I think he cared about my life in some sense more than I did. He was very uh, flattering, and he was telling me all these things that I should be doing. And it was right about that time where I was pretty convinced God was calling me to religious life and to the priesthood. And at the end of this meeting where he was telling me 
what I should do, and take these classes and, and do all these things. I said to him, I think I'm going to become a priest. And my academic professor was a non-practicing uh, Jewish man. And when I said to him, you know, thank you for everything you're trying to do, but I think I'm going to become a priest. It was like I told him I had a terminal disease. <laughs> for the first time, he was silent. <laughs> and he just looked at me, like, and he said, are you serious? I said, well, I, I think so. And we just sat there for like two minutes in silence. And he said to me, he said, why would you want to waste your mind? And I said to him, I don't feel like I am wasting my mind. You know, you can't really argue with that, you know. And so I just tried to explain to him, I didn't feel like I was wasting my mind. In fact, I was, felt like I was using it in a, just in a different way. But the reality is, is intelligence is a gift, but as a famous philosopher once said, being smart is overrated. <laughs> I know a lot of smart people who are not happy. I know a lot of smart people who lack wisdom. I know a lot of smart people who wake up in the morning and wonder what their life means. But I have never met a wise person who is not happy and who is not at peace. How do we receive or get this gift of wisdom? We receive it from God. God has to reveal it to us. The truth comes to us. Because wisdom is of an entirely different order than knowledge or intellectual capacity. We are talking about a completely different world when we talk about wisdom. No matter how many books you have read or how many degrees you might have, you are not guaranteed wisdom. Father Benedict used to always say, in order to be really stupid, you have to be really smart. <laughs> the book of Proverbs reminds us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right? Sometimes when we hear this, it, it can be a bit frightening. This fear is, we're not referring here to fright or to the emotion of fear. Fear meaning, in this sense, awe and reverence toward God. So the fear of the Lord meaning putting God in right priority, in right relationship, having a certain amount of awe and reverence before the majesty and the beauty of God. That is fear of the Lord. That is the beginning of wisdom. In other words, it's the recognition of our own limitations. 
It's the recognition that there is one greater than us. There's one greater than this world or anything that this world can produce. This is the beginning of wisdom. God says in the psalm, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any that act wisely, that seek after God. The Magi sought God. They followed the inspirations of God. And they found him in the child Jesus. They found and encountered a wisdom in Jesus that is beyond comprehension. They found the one who is a child and a king. One who is human and divine. One who possesses the richness of eternity and yet is born in a poor stable. How different is this wisdom than anything that we can comprehend or articulate? This wisdom has so far exceeded the expectations that the Magi could have ever had. You know, if someone would have told him, told them, what they would have encountered by following that star, they would never have been able to comprehend it. And it far exceeds any expectations we could ever have. You know, I've been in religious life for 16 years, and if you would have told me 16 years ago the things that I would have done or encountered, I never would have believed you. There's no possible way I could have understand what you'd be saying. And I'm sure the same is true with you. When you look back on your life and see the way God has led you, see the things that God has, has done in your life, there's no way we can comprehend that. You know, it would be interesting if you, if you wrote down today in your journal just the date, where you are, and then if you looked five years from now, if you could look into the future five years from now and see all that has happened, you wouldn't be able to comprehend it. God invites us not necessarily to understand, but to follow, to trust, to surrender. And so our encounter with Christ is also an encounter with God's wisdom. A wisdom which, as we have said, transcends this world. And so, why do we still 
identify ourselves with the categories of this world. I'm rich, I'm poor, I drive this kind of car, I have this kind of house. Why do we still expect the things of this world to satisfy us, to ease our restlessness, and to heal our wounds? Why do we still identify ourselves and put our hope in things like our health, our social status, what other people think of us? St. Paul says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek those things that are above. Set your mind on the things that are above, where Christ is. Because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ. And so as we come to the end of this retreat, it's important to ask ourselves, is your life, is my life guided by wisdom? By the presence of Christ, Or is your life guided by intelligence and knowledge? If it is, then I would say that not only are you missing something, but you're missing someone who is wisdom itself. who the Magi found through their openness and through their willingness to be led beyond all that they knew. Let us pray for that grace today to be led, to be led beyond all that we know so as to encounter wisdom itself. In the name of the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit. Amen.